1: I think it's a huge part of reading, and I also think it's a huge part of becoming empathetic, compassionate adults, because for us to be able to love others the way Jesus wants us to love them, the way God loves them, we have to be able to imagine a life that we don't know, that's not our actual reality.
0: You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the No More Perfect Podcast. So it's no secret that I love to read. I often share pictures of the books that I'm reading on my social media. I always read before bed, and I usually go through a few books on vacation. A love of reading is something that can come naturally to someone, but it's also something that can be nurtured and developed in a home. And no matter your kid's ages, you are the best person to help your kids learn and grow. And your home is the best place for them to fall in love with books. My guest today firmly believes that. As the founder of the Read Aloud Revival, Sarah McKenzie is best known as the author of Teaching from Rest and the Read Aloud Family. She's also the host of the Read Aloud Revival. It's a podcast with over 10 million downloads in 160 countries. Sarah loves to make books that kids love to read and parents love to read aloud. She and her husband, Andrew, live in the east eastern Washington area where they homeschool their six kids. Welcome to the No More Perfect podcast, Sarah.
1: Oh my goodness, Jill, this is such a treat for me. And <laughs> I have to tell you, you have no idea the impact that you have had on my life. I first came across your book, professionalizing motherhood Mm -hmm. so like cycle back in your mind to that one (laughs) yeah that was my first book oh was it your first book 22 years ago yeah okay well i probably read it let's see my oldest daughter is almost 21 so i probably read it about 21 years ago (laughs) right after it came out um and it really helped me in so many like helped is not even the right word i'm trying to think of the way it really transformed the way that i approached motherhood and like this vocation this like work uh, that of motherhood and helped me prioritize it in a way that the world was not helping me prioritize it and so mm-hmm. i think um back on those early days of like reading your book and I went to one of your conferences when you came to Washington. I think it was in Vancouver, Washington, maybe. Oh, or- we were in Portland. We were in Portland, Portland. Oregon. Yes, yep. that's where it was. We did one a hard our best friends conference and I, there. Yep. We had our Who Let the Moms Out t-shirts on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> went, like the, I really needed the things that you were saying about the worth and value of motherhood Uh, And as a young mom, anyway, I just, I could go on all day. My friend Carla would do it right next to me because she was right there with me. And um, anyway, so I think that the, the impact you had on those early years really transformed the way I mothered, like for the last 21 years, the all six of my children and the way that I've been able to like, think about motherhood and think about this work. You have no idea the lives that you touch. So thank you. I'm so glad I have this chance to thank you in person. (laughs) <laughs>
0: oh, Sarah, you just made my day. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting. Um, so I have so worried that that book, like I that is, I believe in the message of that book, um, Professionalizing Motherhood. I think that at home moms need to understand the value of what they do and so um but it's 22 years old and so part of me i actually approached the um publisher and asked them if they would let me update it but um they weren't willing to do that so i'm trying to figure out what my next step is but i just recently had a young mom um who is at home with her kids read it and she had the exact same response and i said okay is it outdated and she said jill I think she said there's one time where you mentioned an answering machine and a house phone. <laughs> and she said other than that mm-hmm. everything in the book is timeless. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well that makes me feel a lot better and she's like, no, you need to be putting that out there more. So,
1: I'm so encouraged. Well, even encouraged. like I mean, like I am a working mom now. I'm home I homeschool my kids and I'm still home with them most of the time, but I work from home. Um I just think like The principles in the book matter and they're important and they're lasting no matter what someone's actual like, yes. So whether you're homeschooling or whether you're sending your kids to school, whether you work outside the home or you don't work outside the home at all, the the important things there are about like prioritizing your family and seeing this as a calling. All of that, that's timeless stuff. Doesn't matter if there's an answering machine or not. (laughs) Uh, And it doesn't even matter if you're, you know, like at that time in my life, I was home full time with my kids and... Now my kids are older and I'm not, but the still it high. Yeah. I think there's some timeless truth in there that like, even if it's not updated, uh, you know, like the Holy spirit can use anything to reach the hearts that need to be reached. So
0: that is so very, very true. And, um, just, you know, great encouragement and you know what, um, Uh, I'm a firm believer, even if you are working outside the home, you're still a woman in the profession of motherhood. Like you said, you have to have that mindset. So you have two professions, the one that you get paid for and the one that you don't. But it's that mindset of changing it and thinking about it. As a profession that raises it in our head and our heart, right? And yes, so, absolutely, yeah, I agree. Um, so thanks for your words of encouragement to
1: me today. <laughs> oh, yes, uh, anytime. I mean, I'm telling you, like all morning, I'm like, I, can't, I get to thank Jill Savage today, it's a good day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
0: so neat, so neat. So, Sarah, tell you know, you really have a passion for helping. Families prioritize reading. What led to that? Tell us a little of your story that has opened your eyes to the impact of reading, why it's important, how to make
1: it happy, happen within the family environment. Tell us more about that. So, as like a child, I loved reading and I read lots and lots and lots, like lots of kids, bookwormish kind of kids do. And then as I got older and then became a wife and a mother, uh, I sort of lost a lot of that joy. I think just because, you know, you have a lot on your plate. I was learning how right. to be a homemaker and I learning how to cook dinner and keep up with the laundry and and do it all on like 4 hours of broken sleep. So <laughs> you like reading obviously it's legit but it, you know, slips off our radar. And then as I was started reading with my own kids, I Remembered, you know, like I'd see the cover of like Bezos and Ramona or a picture book that I loved as a kid. And mm-hmm. I would think, Oh my goodness. I, you know, it kind of rekindled this love. So I was reading aloud with my kids some. I had three at the time. Um, I'm listening to uh, a friend of mine went to a homeschool conference. We were just brand new to homeschooling and she sent me an audio recording from one of the sessions she heard. And it was Andrew Putawa from the Institute for Excellence in Writing. And he gave a talk called. Nurturing Competent Communicators. And the whole premise of the talk, he's very funny and enlightening and he makes you laugh and things. But the premise of the talk is that if you want your kids to be good communicators, you need to be reading aloud a lot and helping them memorize poetry. And I thought, that's interesting. I am reading aloud, but I was really inspired to read aloud a lot after this talk. So I started to read aloud way more and uh, including and especially to my my oldest daughters who were reading on their own at this time. Um, and what I saw were all the things that he said were going to happen, like all these academic benefits, which was sort of the way he went into convincing you to do this. But what I also saw were all of these relationship building moments, these like connective moments. Um, and then as my kids got older and we added three more children to the mix and then the oldest ones got into their tweens and teens. And, you know, there's more friction. There's more like a conflict between uh, me and a teenager or yep. between the kids and each other. I would notice that on those days especially if we could like sit down and read a chapter of our book it instantly put us all on like the same team because we're you know rooting for the same character we're like holding our breath at the same moment so it's like it kind of reminded us who we are and whose we are when we would completely get lost in the dailiness of the day mm. and so that's when I really turned into like oh this like reading aloud stuff and books they really have power not just to entertain or delight us, but also as a way to connect us and help us love each other and love God more. And then that that really turned on the lights for me.
0: Wow. So are you so as I mean, obviously you laid a foundation for your kids reading in the early years, but did they resist that in the teenage years? Was this
1: being read aloud to or was this reading on their own? Oh, read aloud to. Yeah. So not really and i think it is that is a gift that i had because i was because i discovered this idea of like reading aloud when they were so young and i just kept doing it so it just never became super weird i mean even now i'm reading it aloud an agatha christie book with my 17 year old son um and so like we still do that but um it probably doesn't look like when we think about reading aloud, we oftentimes think of like getting a picture book and a, and a small child on our lap and looking at the pictures, reading aloud looks different. So for me, a lot of times, especially with my older kids, it looks like listening to an audiobook together, either while we're washing the dishes or sometimes that's kind of loud. So in the car uh, going somewhere or um, another thing, like what I just said, I was reading a book with my 17 year old son. He's, really athletic. And so he'll like sit there and do like uh, crunches and push-ups. I should probably be doing these two, but mark my <laughs> words, I am not. I am sitting there working on a puzzle <laughs> while he is exercising and we're listening together. So it doesn't look like sitting down and reading a picture book to our older kids. Um, mm-hmm. It can look a little bit differently. It, it can look a little different. And I'd, especially if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I kind of want to do that. I want to read a lot with my older kids, but they're not going to have it. This is not going to go well. One of the things that I have heard works really well when you're coming in with an older child is that reading aloud or listening to an audiobook in the car, especially if you can just put it on for yourself and put something on that is kind of hard not to listen to. So The yeah. Hobbit by Tolkien or something. You put in a good narration of The Hobbit. And as long as they don't have their earbuds and listening to something else, they're going to have a really hard time resisting listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And that can be a really like nice sideways way in. Yeah. We don't want to send our like older kids and teens the message that I want to read aloud to you because I'm trying to improve you. That's not usually a really great relationship builder. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, yeah, that's um, really important to make a distinction in. So now, well, what about parents with younger children? I mean, I'm going to be really honest, Sarah. I'm going to confess. That when my kids were small and before they could read, I was one that would leave words off the oh, page. Yes. You oh, know, well, because pages, we. are like trying we, to grab
1: like four pages at once and turn.
0: I've done that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know um, your tricks. I've done them. <laughs> true, true confessions here. You know, sometimes you're just like, okay, we need to be done with this and we need to <laughs> go to bed. Um, so I think probably every mom or every parent listening is probably going, yep, and they're done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, let's talk about for those that have little ones, um, what is, you know, just some good ways, uh, to, uh, get in the habit of, um, reading on a regular basis aloud.
1: Okay. So the first thing I always like to admit, and I think the expression I see on some people's faces when I say this is like, okay, we need to talk about this more. I hate reading at bedtime. I I love reading to myself at bedtime. I hate reading aloud to my children before I put them to bed. And I just think this expectation we put on ourselves that at the end of the day, after we've been Spending quite a lot of time with their sweet faces that we are ready to not see again until tomorrow. <laughs> Sitting down to read a book is a really tall order. We're tired. We're just done. Mm-hmm. So, if you can read aloud earlier in the day, you might find it to be easier and more enjoyable than reading aloud before bedtime. My kids listen to audiobooks at bedtime, they don't listen to me read aloud at bedtime. Gotcha. At one piece. Okay. Another one is I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like always be finding something new when really, especially with those young kids, what they want is the same book read over and over again. Oh, they do. Yes, they do. And actually, there are some really interesting studies showing that kids pick up the vocabulary and like all those academic benefits we can tie to reading aloud. They pick them up faster and easier with repeat reads of the same book than they do with a new one. So if you read the same book, you know, if you love the seven silly eaters is one of my favorite picture books. If you read the seven silly eaters with your kids and they, and you read it five times, that's going to do more for them than if you chose five completely different books. So if you have like a couple of books that they really love and that you don't completely hate reading, sticking with those is a, a good way to go one of my favorite recommendations for younger kids are the fairy tales and folk tales that are written or they're illustrated by Paul Galdone. So these are like uh, the three little kittens and the three bears and, but they're really good length. I don't know. They're just the best, the best ones that I've found. They're all those classics that you really want your kids to know and read and uh, but they're not painful to read aloud. Um, They're short which has a lot of benefits. I think sometimes we put all this pressure on ourselves. Like I should be enjoying this, but you know, like on a, on a hard day or if you're really tired, especially if you've got sleep deprivation, you've got a new baby or people have been up sick or, I mean, you're not going to really enjoy it that much. So we don't need to put all this pressure on ourselves. I think to be like the most virtuous read odd moms, we can do the thing and kind of keep it simple and have realistic expectations on how much enjoyment we need to be taking from it all the time. Uh, that's yeah, that's
0: wisdom for sure. I know one of the ones that I loved reading to my kids and they loved me reading it to them. And now I read it to my grandkids is a little book. Uh, well, it's, it's kind of a good size book. It's called the little mouse, the red, right? St- Strawberry and the big hungry bear.
1: Have you seen I love that, one? that book? Yes, I love it.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that book. And it's yep. got. It's got fantastic uh, illustrations.
1: Yeah. There's like that one illustration where he's putting the disguise, like the big glasses on him. So, oh my gosh, it's so funny. Like, yeah, it I
0: love that is place. the <laughs> best book. In fact, yeah, I'll make sure and put a link to that. And as well as some of these other books that Sarah has been uh, talking about, I'll make sure and put those in the show notes. Um, so, you know, and the holidays are coming up, you can pick up a book, some books for, for Christmas. Um, But yeah, I love that one. It didn't have very many words on a page. There was always something fun to look at. Um, So important, but let's go back for a moment to something you said. You said, my kids listen to books going to bed. Yeah. So talk to me about what that might look like, even from a technology perspective. Yes. So okay. what are they listening to it on? Are there phones outside of their bedroom? So um, you know, that those kind of things.
1: Okay, so the way we do it, so right Mm -hmm. now my three youngest kids, there's twins and then they have a a very slightly older sister. They, um, the twins are sharing a room and Claire is in her own room. So they listen separately. We have them listening on iPads at our house because we have two iPads. So I will start an audio book through either the libby app which is like my my local library's audiobook app you can get a, yeah. a lot of times you can get great audiobooks through your local library they might use overdrive or something like libby um or who uh, not hulu um i can't remember there if you look at your local library's website you'll be able to find out or just ask next time you go in um mm-hmm. what they have for audiobooks I don't like to borrow the CD audiobooks or the MP3 player audiobooks because we will definitely lose them and then I will pay a fortune for them. So <laughs> I like <laughs> I like the ones I can stream with an app that I can't lose. It's not possible. Right. So I don't have to pay late fight fees on them either, which is also another thing that I have to do if I check things out. Um okay, so I will put on my ipad for my twins for example they're listening to the whole red wall series which is brilliant they're nine by the way which is brilliant because the red wall series is like a bazillion books long and so i'm not having to choose new things all the time or rack my brain for new suggestions mm-hmm. um, and i can put it on the odd uh, we get those on audible and i could put the audible app on the ipad and then lock guy it's called guided access. like if you Google this you can find mm-hmm. it. but it like locks your child in that app. so my kids can't sneak out of bed then and play Minecraft. not that my angelic children would ever do such a thing but I'm <laughs> preventing <laughs> such a thing I love it. <laughs> um, that's usually the way that we do it. however, if you don't have iPads um, or if you need a different solution, there's a couple of other options. You can get like a little speaker. It doesn't have to be a Spark smart speaker if you're like me and you're kind of freaked out by the whole Alexa <laughs> Siri thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You could just get like a smart speaker or um, or not a smart speaker, a, a speaker that hooks up to your phone. Okay. We have like one that's like a CD player that has a Bluetooth um mm-hmm. Option. So I can actually play an audiobook from my phone, but it can be on the speaker that's in the kids' bedrooms. Gotcha. So, and then I just put it on with a sleep timer. So if I start my audiobook either in my Libby, my library app, or in Audible or in Libro FM, those are just a few different um, audiobook options. All of those three have something called a sleep timer. So I can set a sleep timer for 30 minutes and basically the audiobook will play. And then at 30 minutes, it automatically goes off. And that's how we do it at our house. Okay.
0: Thank you for the very practical suggestions <laughs> of making that work. I love that. And I think that those, um, will be very helpful for those that are listening that maybe aren't in that habit, um, mm-hmm. but would like to be, and don't even know the logistics of making that happen.
1: Oh, and you know, let me just, while we're here and we're talking about audiobooks and especially with younger kids, um, when you're looking at the library or you're looking on Audible, there is this series called Rabbit Ears Productions. And there are these audiobooks that are, um, they're like, retellings of like The Emperor's New Clothes or The Tortoise and the Hare, like a lot of those classics, they're done really well with music and some sound design. Um, Some of them are narrated or written by Eric McTaxis and some other really great people. So anyway, they are like short, 20 to 30 minutes. And Mm -hmm. those are some go-to favorites of mine. And they're usually, you don't have to have like an Audible subscription. You can just go to Amazon, for example, and like buy the... um audible version of let's say uh the emperor's new clothes for like a dollar or two i can't remember what it is and then you have it and you can play it in your audible app so that's another really good option especially if you've got younger kids or if you're just like i don't really know some audiobooks are really painful to listen to so you you know trying to figure out like okay we've got like this small pile of audiobooks that the kids can listen to again and again is good adventures and odyssey are another great thing they can listen to it at Mm -hmm. um, that time yeah yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and it really when when kids read, you know, I think that one of the things that we're missing is imagination. Mm. And because when they're uh always doing video games or and I'm not anti those things, I think they have some real value at times. Um but uh when they are not using their ability to imagine something, that's that's the thing. Like I remember our kids used to listen to, we used to listen to Adventures in Odyssey, especially if we were like on vacation or on a road trip or something like that. And it was just imagining what was going on, you know, yeah. in in your head. Don't you think that's a big part
1: of reading? I think it's a huge part of reading. And I also think it's a huge part of like becoming Empathetic, compassionate adults, because mm. that's what it requires for us to be able to love others the way Jesus wants us to love them, the way G- God loves them. We have to be able to imagine a life that we don't know, that's not our actual reality. That kind of reminds me of um when we're reading a book or listening to a story, mm-hmm. we're always walking a mile in someone else's shoes because that's what a story is. You take a, There's a character who has to overcome some obstacles to get mm-hmm. what they either want or need. And this happens again and again and again, whether it's the story of David and Goliath in the Bible or whether it's the tortoise and the hare, not that those are equal, uh, not, let me be clear. <laughs> but yeah. all stories have that same premise of we have a character who wants something and has to overcome obstacles to get it. And so a couple of things happen when we read these stories or we hear them. One is that we have to put ourselves in the shoes of the tortoise and the hare or of David or Goliath Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and experience life from someone else's point of view or see it from their eyes. And that, I think, habit of doing that over and over and over again Mm -hmm. makes it easier for us to love the people God puts in our paths all throughout our lives So, Mm because it helps us, again, walk uh, a mile in the shoes of someone else. But it also does something else um, in that it helps us. We get to bear witness then to somebody overcoming obstacles and facing adversity and hardship yes. again and again and again. So it not only does it build empathy and compassion, it also builds like fortitude and like stick to itiveness, <laughs> or at least mm-hmm. it lets us bear witness to that enough that we know it's, it's yes. possible, like, as- like creates this aspirational um, vision. So both of those things then play into this imagination that I think is really crucial, not just like, because we want our kids to be creative and imaginative, and we do, but also because we want them to live with the kind of resilient faith and um, tenacity that they need to in this world, and that it requires an, a holy imagination. So it's sort of like this holy imagination that we offer our kids, even with a story like the tortoise and the hare, that's not religious, but it helps us, you know, it, we like we get to witness virtue and what happens mm-hmm. when you you aren't virtuous, which we all are. So we get to anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's good. And, you know, uh, recently my husband and I were kind of talking about, um, just our faith journey. And, um, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. He was not. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, I have, I have rarely had trouble, um, believing that God can do anything. Like I just have, it's just innate in me that he is bigger, that he can, he can do miracles that all of that. And, and we were talking about that the other day and I said, you know what? I was raised on guidepost magazine. It was, it was in the bathrooms uh, at our home. And I read probably over my, you know, I don't know, 12 years of, being a reader and reading those magazines, read thousands of God stories and it laid
1: a foundation for my beliefs in that. Yeah. So I Which totally like hear so what you're rich. saying. It also like as a mom, that's really comforting because I mean, it's not like you read the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and your kids like pop up and they're suddenly more virtuous or something. Right. So there was this sort of sense of like, is any of this matter? Is any of this sticking? Um, but then hearing you say that it's like those seeds were planted in ways that you probably didn't know. And then they show their fruit and season, which is now and is last month and is 10 years from now. And so like in ways that you can't even predict. Exactly. That's, and and yeah. those literally were just in the
0: bathroom. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were yeah. just available and yeah. I and I <laughs> took advantage of that. So, yeah, such a good reminder. So, um, Sarah, you said, um, you know, because I'm sure that there are some people that are listening and they're like, my kids are just not readers. So where I'd love to spend um, just the remainder of our time is you said you have five simple tips to turn your kids into voracious readers. (laughs) Um, So let's just talk about those tips because I am sure there are some that are listening and maybe they even need to apply these to themselves because maybe they're not readers, but they want to learn how to be more of a reader and recognize that it has value even as an adult. So let's talk about those five tips uh, to turn your kids into voracious readers.
1: Okay, so the first one is super simple and our, our listeners could do it right now if they wanted. If you're at home, you could do it right now. It'll take you 30 seconds. So like walk over, find your nearest bookshelf that has kids books on it and just pick out three books completely randomly. They do not need to be like, these are the three best books on our shelf. Don't give yourself any of those like a big, you know, Uh, sometimes we make it harder than it needs to be right we overthink it often do yes (laughs) (laughs) at least i do i should speak for myself here i often do Um, so just pick out three books and put them face out somewhere and you know, if you're on Instagram or Pinterest, you'll see these fancy face-out bookshelves. I don't have any of these, never have. I just put them face-out and then don't say anything and just leave them there. And chances are very good that if your child's going to pick up a book today, they'll pick one of those out. And Booksellers know this. Librarians know this. This is why if you go into the library or into Barnes & Noble, you'll see some books face-out. Publishers actually pay a premium to have their books face-out at Barnes & Noble because they know the likelihood of someone to pick up that book goes way up when they see see the cover, not the spine. And I think this is really true when it comes to picture books or you pick books for young kids because they have these tiny little skinny covers, or I mean, spines, Yes, but these beautiful covers. So put a couple of books face out um, and don't say anything about them. That's kind of key here too, because we want the reading to be an invitation. Mm-hmm. As soon as our kids think we're trying to get them to read, again, to improve themselves or Mm-hmm. for us to improve them we're going to immediately run into resistance which makes gotcha. so much sense you know if my husband like put books face out because he like knowing like my weak areas and where I'm struggling and he like laid some books face out around the house and was like <laughs> you should read those I would definitely want to read anything else right like this is how this works so we we want to make it an invitation so that's one piece just put some books face out perfect okay um, another one is this tip is more of a mindset tip. And it's really that we need to remember, especially if your kids are young and they're learning how to read. My kids were all late readers. Um, we had a lot of dyslexia in our house. Um, with, well, like, several of our kids have dyslexia. And um, we have this anxious kind of drive where we want our kids to be reading at the top of their level. Like I know that you want to read these boxcar children books, but you could be reading, you know, fill in the blank with something that's um, what we think of as more valuable. And and maybe boxcar children, that sounds kind of like a dated response. Maybe your kids actually want to just read Dog Man or some of these graphic novels. Letting our kids read easy books. I mean, not morally bankrupt books. So you get to choose what you have your kids read, right? But like letting them read something that is easy goes a really long way toward helping them become readers. Because Mm. what happens is Between the stages of learning how to read and becoming really uh, voracious readers who can read easily and well, there's this period of time where they just need to get a large quantity of words under their belts and the more words, that quantity, the better, faster they get at reading and the better and faster we get at something, the more we tend to enjoy it. It's not really Mm. enjoyable for us to do something that's this hard slog. So especially if your kids are say between the ages of seven and 12 in Mm. those stages, like especially, and this could be true beyond those years, but especially in those years, let your kids read lots and lots of books that are very easy without pushing them up to the next level. Mm. They will probably make bigger strides by reading words and books that are easy than if we push them up to the top of their ability level.
0: Oh, that's such a good suggestion and so important for us to realize because I think that a lot of times we almost steal the joy Mm. uh, without realizing it because we're trying to motivate them to get better at something and to recognize that even reading the simple books is allowing them to get better and learning to love it.
1: Yeah. I love well, that. Well, this is why I think there's so many series books, but really big series books in this stage. I mean, I, I mentioned the Boxcar Children or Dogman. There's like the Magic Treehouse Encyclopedia Brown, Nate the Great. Like we could go on and on. There's tons mm-hmm. of like these long series books in this age and stage kind of. Yes. And I think it's really because that's what kids need at this age is they actually just need a large quantity. And once, you know, starting a new book, even as an adult, starting a new book with new characters and a new scene, and it's hard. Like the first couple of chapters are always the hardest because you're orienting yourself, figuring out which characters, which and where they are. Yeah. So even... Me as a voracious reader who wants to read this book will struggle for the beginning because I'm like, wait, what's going on, and who is that, and I gotta flip back. And so once your kids are into a series, let's just say the A to Z mysteries or something, they they're reading the first one. Now they know the characters, and of course they want to revisit them for the next series and the next. And sure, it's going to be easier, easier, delightful for them to do. Yeah,
0: which oh, okay. kind of brings me
1: to that third tip, which okay. is if if you've got a child who's in that stage where they're not, it's reading is not easy or fast for them yet, series are going to be your friend. And the way to kind of get your kids hooked on a series or a way that has been effective, I should say, for me in getting my kids addicted to a series is to read aloud the first book to them Okay, and then to make the subsequent books available, but suddenly be out of time to read them aloud. (laughs) And so with my son, who's now 17, he was a very late reader. He learned to read or really was reading independently when he was nine. And I had a lot of anxiety and stress about that as he was learning. And then I worried that reading had be was so hard for him that it was going to be difficult for him to want to do it on his own. Mm-hmm. And we did Encyclopedia Brown. I read the first Encyclopedia Brown book to him. And then I just happened to have the next one on hand. And I wouldn't have the next 10 on hand. That will be overwhelming. So just the next one. And then say, oh, I got this one. But man, I do not have time to read this one to you. So if you wanted to get started on it, go ahead. Like, go ahead and do that. And, or I would read like the first chapter and then be like, I just, now I just suddenly ran out of time and I can't, and then they went maybe a little more compelled to mm-hmm. read it on their own. And again, you got through that, those tricky parts at the beginning yeah the introducing new characters and names and all that stuff. You did that together. So you've kind of crossed that big hurdle and made it easier. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Okay. Another tip I have is to, um, I think this is tip number four is to really Choose books that you love. And I think a hang up for a lot of us is that when once we go, okay, yes, I totally want my kids to read and I want, I'm going to read aloud to them or I'm going to have them, you know, like make sure our, our house has good books in it so that they're mm-hmm. interested in reading. And then we immediately going back to this idea of making things harder than they must be, uh, we immediately go, okay, what are the best books they should be reading? Mm-hmm. which is a completely different question. And so if reading is not yet a habit, finding books that people enjoy reading, even if they aren't the very best of the best yet, mm-hmm. um, can be a nice little stepping stone. So think back to your own childhood. Was it like Matilda? Was it the Boxcar Children? Like, what was that? Read one of those aloud to your kids instead of feeling like, well, all kids should read fill in the blank. And so Wind in the Willows or whatever your mm-hmm. thing is. Um which is a super boring book, everybody. I'm just saying, like it's okay if you think that some classics are boring. Um, you're allowed. To, you're allowed to have those thoughts. Um, I think that about that particular book. Um, anyway, so then you just pick books that really you enjoy because your kids can sense your own enjoyment or your own lack of enjoyment. Um, mm-hmm. when you're reading aloud to them, or when you're reading on your own, like like they it's you can't really hide it. So you can. I remember reading um. Little Britches which I know a lot of people just absolutely love that book and I completely understand why they love it it was just not my favorite to read aloud mm-hmm. and I would like m- make excuses for other things I needed to do I mean I didn't have to make excuses I had a lot of laundry and dishes to do so there was always something to do you know mm-hmm. instead of reading aloud I think uh, my own exuberance when I was reading aloud was lacking because I just mm-hmm. wasn't into it and so I think your kids can really really they can pick tell up that. on that mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay And then the last thing I would say, and this is kind of, this one feels less simple, but hear me out. The last thing is that is to model your own reading life. And this could be really difficult if you have a lot on your plate, if you've got a lot of little kids, if you're out of the reading habit. I mean, our Mm -hmm. brains have been rewired by media. We know this. And so our attention spans aren't what they used to be. And it's a little difficult for some of us to focus on like a long form story. Our brains are not in the habit of doing that anymore. The way that we read text on a screen is different than the way we read text on a page. And so if we're out of practice of reading text on a page, it takes a little bit of remembering how to like what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. But I think even if your kids just see you reading for five or 10 minutes every few days, it does not need to be like, My mom's always on the couch reading or it happens every single day or it's the first thing she sees me do or anything like that. Just every once in a while, if they see you reading a book that you're just reading for the joy of it, Mm -hmm. it sends a very different message than you should read, child, because reading is really wonderful while we're never modeling it ourselves. And then they Mm. can see kind of right through that. Yeah. So that's that's very important because with children, more is
0: caught than taught. That's good. Yes. (laughs) So, what you're talking about there is that they will see that, and uh, it sends an it sends a message that um, that it is valuable. So that's good. Good. Yeah. Oh, Sarah, this has been a delightful conversation. Yeah. I love your energy. I love your your wisdom. And um, I'm excited uh, to look up some of these series books and such, even for my own grandchildren who oh, yes. um, are all learning. They range from uh, two to 12. So, okay. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be like going back through and writing these down and making sure that uh, we take a look for some of those as well. Awesome. Yeah. So where can people find you online? What's the best way to connect with you and what do you have to offer them?
1: Yes. So the best place is readaloudrevival.com. Um That's where we have, we have free book lists there. So we have like books that boys love and that girls love we have uh books for different age groups or uh picture books that we picked for different um months of the year so um all of those book lists are sort of carefully curated for the read aloud experience looking for books that really odds are pretty good that you're going to have a good read aloud experience not that kind of read aloud experience where we are trying to like grab a few pages or skip a line or two (laughs) we just want to (laughs) be done with it which we all know that experience um So that's the best place to get those free book lists. And then also there, we have a podcast where wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can find Read Aloud Revival. Those are probably the two best places to
0: go. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you. Would you take a few minutes here and just um, pray
1: for our listeners? I'd love
0: to. Okay.
1: Thank you. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time together today. Thank you that every single one of us here You knew we'd be here, and you know the struggles and the thoughts on our minds, and you have a plan for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Help us have the wisdom and the fortitude to do this mothering or grandmothering, not perfectly, but in your perfect peace, because you love us. We thank you for your grace and your love, and we ask for your protection. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org/free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.